And the reality is that they were, in a way, not investing in it, making assumptions that this is who they are and resilience is not a personality trait. There are opportunities for our work and careers everywhere, if you know where to look. That's easier said than done, especially in our fast-paced and constantly changing world. Marianne Fairmouth is talking to experts, employers, and job seekers to bring you insight and understanding about what's possible. This is Career Can Do, where we're navigating the new work world. Welcome to the Career Can Do podcast a top global podcast dedicated to helping you navigate the new work world. My name is Marianne Fairmouth, and I will be your host for today's episode. And I am just delighted to have a professional on my show that's got information that I believe right now is of paramount importance. Dr. Marie Helene Pelletier is an award-winning mental health expert who draws on her clinical practice and extensive corporate experience to explore how resilience is the best defense against burnout and how we all can use this to become our best self. As an employment recruiter for over 30 years, I want to have her on the show today because I'm hearing from candidates and employers and even recruiters that people have a block in how to be resilient. After what we've all been through for the last few years, right? We've all had our little scars and challenges. But how do we take all that and move forward? How do we become resilient? So, after that incredibly long introduction, without further ado, Dr. Palatier. Say hello, everybody. Hello, and hello, Marianne. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. It's all the way from Vancouver, Canada. And, you know, I'm a Michigan girl. I was in Canada many times. It's cold up there right now, isn't it? It's colder than usual, but the West Coast tends to be a bit friendlier from a temperature perspective. Okay, okay. Well, you've done so many things. You've got a great book coming out at the beginning of February. But talk to us a little bit about what made you write this book and a few of the things in it that would help our listeners. So... My background comes both from psychology and business. And in my executive coaching work, a lot of the people I work with are professionals of all levels and leaders also from all levels, early career, middle, late, any stages. And often all of these people have actually shown extremely high resilience. They've gone through really demanding times, whether it's early in their professional career or middle or late. They've been there and they get to a point where they come to me and they say, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've gone through things, some of them more demanding than what I have right now. And I've been fine and I am not fine now. What's the problem? Initially, when we would look at different things and start talking about resilience, they would dismiss it like, oh, I'm already like that. Like, give me something else. And the reality is that they were in a way, not investing in it, making assumptions that this is who they are and resilience is not a personality trait. And that's what opened that conversation, became helpful for so many people, some of whom told me, I wish I knew all this earlier. Hence, let's write this in a book so at least some people will catch this earlier. I think that's profound information. And I'm so glad we're talking about this because 
I have people coming to me. They'll come in, they'll sit in front of me, they're on the computer or at my desk, and all they do is tell me about all the challenges they have. I just got laid off. I've been on seven interviews. I can't find a job. I can't negotiate the right salary. I won't work life balance. I can't work hybrid. Negative, negative, negative. When what, in my opinion, they need to do is take tiny steps. Let's not look at the finish line. Let's look at how we're going to take those tiny steps to get to where we have to go. But it all starts with, in my opinion, mindset and attitude. Do you agree? That's part of it, for sure. And part of the experience sometimes is, and that's why context is so important. There are moments in our, in this case, professional life where we'll be in between, we'll be in transitions. And for all kinds of reasons, sometimes these moments are uncomfortable. They can be stressful financially, they can bring back all kinds of questions about our worth as workers or as professionals. They can be challenging and sometimes they are really deeply challenging. And so part of what we want is to make sure that we allow ourselves to be self-aware of that part of our experience and of other parts of our experience. What is, in fact, going well? What are the strengths we have, the opportunities that are in front of us? We're not pretending that the challenges are not there at all. We're still seeing them very realistically and clearly. And we're making sure we're broadening the perspective enough to see the full picture. And that's, in a tough time, part of what contributes to giving us the mindset to build back our resilience. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The other thing I'm thinking about right now is the three words on your cover. The, resilience, and then a very important word, plan. I think the word plan, in my opinion, and I'm not a therapist, although I feel like as a counselor sometimes and recruiting, I can be one. But anyway, I think we have to have a plan. My dad always used to say, you fail to plan, you're going to plan to fail. So tell us about why you call it the resilience plan. Is there an actual step-by-step process you recommend? Two things. There is definitely a mindset of being proactively thinking about it, being strategic about it. And by being strategic, similar to when we're strategic in business context, we need to think in advance. So there is an element of proactiveness, strategic thinking in advance. And yes, in the book, I've distilled some information from both psychology, best practice and research and business, specifically strategy, to extract a few tools that when brought together, this combination allows all of us to be able to create a strategic plan, a resilience strategic plan that will take our context in that moment into account and therefore make this plan, the plan of that moment, very effective but customized for each of us. Do you recommend that when somebody makes a plan, they put a date by it or that they look at this plan every day? Because sometimes I think one of the things some people do wrong is that they look at the finish line. They only want to get the results. They don't want to go through the steps. And I think sometimes we have to cut those things to little bite-sized steps to be able to accomplish the goal. Do you agree? Yes, it's probably similar to in business. We want to have a bit of both, a bit of the short-term perspective and a bit of the longer term because the short-term perspective is informed by where we're going in the longer term. And we need to have actions today. 
And so agree with you, we want to make sure we have clarity on what are these actions that we want to take today. And if the plan's been created in a way that's customized, my actions, even though let's say you and I have the same goal, the same background, the same everything, my actions may look different from yours because my context is probably different from yours. And each of us need to take our own context into account to create that plan. Yes, we need to have a level of clarity that either we're looking at this plan very frequently, whether it's every day, every week, whatever, but whether we're looking at it or not, we're clear on what it is that we're needing to do today. We can get into practical examples if we want, but bottom line is, I think it's a combination of clarity on where we're going and what are the steps that we need to take today, this week, this month so that we can plan and start walking in that direction. You know, I had somebody say to me the other day, because I was having a conversation similar to this, telling them they needed to have a plan, they needed to write things down, they you got to do this or that. And they said, Marianne, really, I have a block. I have a big block. And what I'm really afraid of, Marianne, is it's like fail. As a mental health professional, how do you suggest somebody deal with that? I mean, I'll tell them. I don't think failure is all that horrible, really, because you're going to learn something from it. But if you don't at least try, you're not going to ever get a chance to achieve. How do you handle a question like that? Well, some, I mean, it depends because sometimes the nature of what a specific individual creates as their plan is maybe so far, so unrealistic, so out of their control that they may have this fear of failure because of how it's designed. Could be that. It could also be just how they're thinking right now. They're thinking they're going to fail at everything. It could be that as well. So it'd be different things. What I would say is, particularly as we're thinking about a strategic resilience plan, what we would want to do, but that applies also if we're planning to transition to a new role, for example. Let's say that this is their goal, finding my next role. Now, if we're using the structure from the resilience plan, because we'll need resilience to get there anyway. In the book, I talk about Various and brief exercises, very simple, very clear. So even if we're feeling overwhelmed, don't know where to start, whatever, these exercises are simple. Sometimes it's a two-minute, five-minute. I think my longest exercise in there, it's 10 minutes. But you would want to say, okay, my goal is this, finding my next role. You're going to do the various exercises to clarify your values, to clarify your current sources of supply of energy, demands on your energy, your current context, much like a SWOT analysis in business where we look at what are my sources of strengths, my challenges personally, and what in my context may support me or be a challenge. And once you have all this, then you can create a strategy, often with, say, three key pillars and actions that will walk you towards this. For example, I'm looking for my next role. And I've explored my values. I value health. I value a job that's varied, so not routine, for example. And then I would be exploring many others. I would look at my sources of supply and demand. Let's say I have three young children. I don't, but let's say I do. That's very demanding and that's a big drain on my energy. Okay, I need to be realistic about this. I look at my context. I actually need to have money coming in soon. I cannot be just waiting for a dream job forever. Somebody needs to come in to pay the bills. So then when I build my strategic plan here, I may have a pillar that is about flexibility on next step, where some of my actions may be to broaden the types of roles I'm looking for, to broaden who I'm talking to about my next step, 
I might have another pillar that is self-care because this picture is so busy right here that unless I put self-care in my search, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to drain before I get there. So these are examples of pillars that you would get to in a situation like this. That's very important to hear. As a mental health professional, I think you're giving our listeners some really good advice. You know, I have people come to me sometimes and they'll say, you know, Marianne, I really want a different job. I'm burnt out. I don't want to do this anymore. I want something else. But when I go to apply for these different jobs, I don't have the qualifications exactly in the industry. So how do you suggest I present this? You be honest, but you identify the transferability of the roles you've had and what you've done in those roles that relate to what's on that job description. Be honest and true. We can look at half a glass of water. We have two choices. We can look at that full or we can look at it half empty. I always suggest be always, always honest and true. But you can put a spin on it in a more positive way that works to your advantage. For example, then you want to be an accountant, but you've been a bookkeeper, right? You really haven't gone through gap analysis. You haven't done a lot of the profit sharing, composite, whatever it is in accounting. You've done some of it, but you've just touched the surface. And this job requires that. Okay, what I tell them to do, and you tell me if you agree, this is kind of part of resilience or moving forward. I'll say to them, have I done exactly what you want? No, I haven't. But let me tell you what I have done. I've done a similar role where I think the mechanics are very much the same. But more than that, I will take it upon myself on my time to learn everything you need here because that's how much I want to move into this job. I've never had a client call me up and say they don't like that. You're being honest. You're telling them the truth. No, I don't have exact experience. But let me tell you what I do now. And really what you're telling you have is the right attitude and the ability to learn. What do you think about as part of resilience, doctor? I think that what you're describing is something many of us have gone through at points in our careers. Because even sometimes when you actually stay, even in the same type of work that you've been doing, this particular role will be different. Sometimes, yes, we're going in a bit further outside and that's fabulous as well. And I love all the recommendations you're making there. So let's say in this context of transferable skills, because I'm moving to a role that is a bit further away than what I'm used to do. So from a resilience, if we add a resilience plan to this, let's say, because in order to show up and convey all these fabulous messages, the way you were describing them, we want to bring this in the way that is coming from a place of resilience where, yeah, there are challenges in doing this. Obviously, it's not smooth sailing. And we want to do this with as much resilience as possible. So in this case, the goal we're after is transferring my skills to this new other role far from this current space that I'm comfortable and known in perhaps or that I know very much. So then we do a similar process. Back to this. What are my values? I like this line of work. And I also value my health. I'm not interested in burning out in the type of role I've done before. I'm changing. Okay. And I would list many others of my values. Then I would look at my sources of supply and demand. What brings me energy is finding people I want to work with, finding teams that are open-minded about people who come with a different way of thinking because they have a different background. What may be a demand is some people will be very specifically looking for the exact thing. They will be unpleasant. They will be rejecting. They will be saying, you're not competent. Okay, that will be a demand. I need to be prepared for this. I need to think about my context. 
how am I doing these days? How is even my physical health? Am I pretty good? Or I'm also dealing with three things and that's demanding. So we want to be friendly with ourselves. And what's my context? Do I have other people around me that have done this? They were in a role over here and they switched over there and they've walked that path. Maybe that's support for me in this current phase. So you do this exploration using the same structure and now you get here and, okay, my plan is transfer my skills to this other new job. Let's create the plan. Maybe pillar number one is make sure I've got my support network. So my support network. Action number one, connecting with my friend Cindy, who's moved to another state very far from here and she's done it. Okay, maybe I'm connecting with online groups of people who are going from being this to being that. Everything exists, so probably it exists. Finding these sources. And maybe there are other sources of support, like my friend's child who is so bubbly and friendly that each time I see this child, I don't talk to them about my role, but it makes me happy. It provides support for me. I love it. Okay, maybe there's another pillar where maybe I'm bringing back this self-care piece because I now see with even more clarity that jumping into a different territory brings the hope for a very different work culture and all this, and that's beautiful. And it's demanding. So I need to build here to make sure I get it. And you would build your third pillars. So you see how you could bring this in this context to bring an even more realistic support to this important and fabulous and demanding career move that requires resilience. Well, I think that's profound information. I think that's great. I think a lot of what I'm hearing you say, though, is the person has to be really cognizant of all the different aspects here. It's not just, I'm going to get a new job, period, the end. It's, I'm going to get a new job. I don't have exact experience for it. So what are my support systems? How can I set them up to work to my advantage, to work to make a contribution to that employer, to be a good co-worker? You know, it's not just one variable here. There's, there's many pieces to this puzzle. And I think your book, puts it in all one place as a plan that somebody can review so that once they have like a laundry list of what they've got to do here, it makes the results possibly come a little sooner. What do you think? Well, yes, because then you've identified your next actions in the actual real context you're in, and you've got clarity on these actions. And also the book will do this, but part of what's important, whether you read the book or not, is these actions... We want them to be realistically implementable. So we're not going to list actions here that in themselves are overwhelming. That's not going to be helpful. We're not going to do them. But if we do a very realistic, customized plan, the actions here will be doable. And when the actions are doable, you've seen this, I'm sure, in your work, Marianne, and both of us in our lives, personal lives too. When we set out to do actions that are realistic and doable for us, we're more likely to do them. And when we do them, what happens? We feel good. We feel encouraged, satisfied. The technical term in psychology is our self-efficacy increases. The belief that we can influence things. And what's more beautiful than this, right? Because when you start doing this, you've got that satisfaction. You experience even more self-efficacy. And that builds because now you increase your belief that you could also do other things moving forward. And that puts us on the path where we want to be, whether we're doing a transition or looking to achieve other goals. That's wonderful. I think that the information you're giving our listeners is really, really important. 
because I hear so many people, doctor, tell me that they feel blocked, that they feel that they really are unhappy, they have burnout, but they just don't know how to get to another place. They don't know how to go from A to Z. And I think what happens sometimes they look too much at Z and they don't look at the little steps along the way they have to take. And you've given them a book and a plan of how to do that. Well, we're getting near the end here. I think this has been a wonderful podcast. I think you've given our listeners a lot of new information that'll help them and what I call the new work world. But I always like to leave our listeners with two salient points. If we had to give two salient points for the resilience plan, what would those be? I would say, and it does connect with your comment about people are feeling so stuck. So a couple of things that will help us get unstuck, but also are part of this, because that's very much how I wrote the book. How do I take my reader from point A to B? That was very much a guiding principle for me there. Two things. One is investing in our self-awareness. We hear about this also when we talk about emotional intelligence, which is a very established, solidly backed up by research thing to do. And I'm bringing us back to earlier in our conversation of today. Self-awareness, meaning we're self-aware of the things that are challenging right now. Yes. And we're also looking at what is going well. What are the strengths? So the full picture, our full context. So self-awareness. And the second is to be strategic about how we're going to do this so that it's not just so-and-so is doing this and therefore I'll do the same thing. Mm -mm. It's my plan. The strategy means which actions will I take given my context to reach my goal? And so it can only be personal to each of us. It's doable. doesn't take time, but we want to be strategic. Great. Okay. Well, Dr. Marie Aline. Pelletier, is that correct? <laughs> That's correct, Marianne, or MH. MH works as well. Okay, MH. Well, Dr. MH, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, do you have a website? Do you have a LinkedIn? Yeah. How do they do that? I mean, all this will be on my website too, but if they want to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Well, theresiliencesplan.com will get you to everything I do, the book, my website, everything, theresiliencesplan.com. And of course, LinkedIn, Instagram, always love to hear from people. Okay. Well, this has been wonderful. I think the information in this podcast is certainly beneficial to our employers, to our candidates, and to other coaching professionals, recruiters included. We're all in this together. We're all looking for a positive, more enjoyable, more expansive new year. And here's a way for us to get there. So, Dr. Harris, thank you so much for being on Career Can Do. Please download us. We're on all major podcast channels, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, all of them. And we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dr. Marie. Thank you, Marianne. We thank you for tuning in to our Career Can Do podcast. We make no guarantees on results for your particular quest, but we hope you enjoy the information presented. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely that of the guest or speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Varian Fairmouth and Fairmouth and Company. Thank you.